Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode, we're now fully into 1994. I know it was for you being very patient as we got from 93 to 94. Um, look, there's a lot of movies to discuss. And with this season, we do have a new addition. Uh, Andrew is uh, one of our regular guests, but there was a long gap there, so you may not know him as well. <laughs> uh, how's it going, Andrew? Good, good. You know, just getting ready, uh, working through the holidays, the retail grind. You know, this is when when the retail all-stars uh, come out and shine, so just surviving retail yeah. uh, during the holidays. Be nice to your local retail, whatever, because I think this is the first year in forever that I haven't had to work one. Probably, oh, really? I think, well, I had to work, I worked surveillance one year and I missed out on it, but I think in the last 12 years, I've only missed Black Friday twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. the, I mean, same, same thing here, I mean, I've done them, I'd like to tell people I've done them for the last 15 years or so. Um, but luckily, with, since the pandemic, you know, a lot of places now are are closed on Thanksgiving. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Graveyard so, shift? Doing, yeah. Coming in, yeah. Coming, I always hated like, uh, oh, we just got done with Thanksgiving dinner. Time to go to work for the whole night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember like, you know, like, you know, when we worked at Target, like, oh, we're opening at, you know, 10 p.m. tonight, like on Christmas Day or on uh, Thanksgiving Day. You're like, oh, geez. Yeah. Got to have a Thanksgiving lunch in order to really enjoy it. Then you're punch drunk by the time you're done with it. You're like, how long have I been going? <laughs> but uh, speaking yeah. of the holidays, uh, let's start off with the first movie of our 1994. Oh, I should say the new segment. Okay, so we lost um, Rob. Uh, he is overwhelmed with work and, and he started his own podcast. So he was like our action specialist. Um, so he left. So I was trying to think of something new to refresh the show, and we were talking. You know, we've had we throw ideas around here and there. Some work, some don't. I could never really do the wrestling one. I wanted to, but I don't have the patience to sit through a whole match. <laughs> They're long. Um, but uh, we decided, how about family films of 1994? Now, most of these will be Disney because we both have Disney Plus, so it's just it makes it easier for the two of us to do these. So. Um, we just throw out a list of whatever, and he chooses the four. And uh, it's perfect timing for the holidays because uh, the Santa Claus is the first film we'll be discussing of 1994. A phenomenon at the time. I, I did not realize how huge this was for Tim Allen. And do you think it's strange that he didn't do another live-action movie for almost three years? After the Santa Claus? Yeah, it took almost three years for Jungle to Jungle uh, to come out. Was a huge movie. I know at the time. I mean, they have so many now. I think they actually have another one coming out soon on, or if it's not out already, on Disney Plus. Yeah, like the same franchise. So I think I think it's surprising because it's it's had about four or five movies um, in the same series. So that is really surprising. I didn't know that either. Well, and it's it's legacy. Um, we're all legacy movie crazy now. Uh, so like you get to catch up with these actors and these characters after a really long time. I think the last one was 2002, right? Hold on, it was 94. No, it was 2002, 2006, I think was the last one, the one with Martin Short, we plays Jack Frost. So I think there's only three. And then the, the new one, I don't know if it's a movie or it's a TV series. Everything seems to be a series now, so. I, I think it's a movie on Disney+. Plus. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if it's a series. It may very well could be a series, but. Uh, I know that you know, obviously the character and everything, uh, they, they are back uh, or, you know, yeah, and I feel like, now I'm not a huge fan of this. I like the sequels more. 
Um, but I also think it's because lower expectations at the time. At the, you know, Tim Allen was just you know he was a really popular TV actor. But this is back in the time when it was really hard to break through and become a movie star from TV. And, you know, it was like, a, I think like a $17 million budget. And they really just kind of tossed out there thinking that, oh, the kids will go see this and that'll be it. But then it ended up making like $150 million in America alone. That's huge. And, yeah. um, go ahead. I was gonna say yeah, and it, it's it's one of those things where I mean, obviously nowadays you got you got movie stars doing TV shows, TV show you know stars doing movies, but um, you know he was he was kind of a that one trick pony from Home Improvement. Like he 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 only did that, and obviously was very funny, very uh, you know comedic as far as the show. Um, but then going into like you know, the the big screen and and having something not just uh, not just like you know, improvement obviously is a show for you know parents and things like that. But you know, having a, a movie that gravitates to kids as well, and like more of a family type feel um, for them as well. Yeah, and in Chris's movies, I feel like Chris's movies are taken for granted now because I mean, Hallmark Channel debuts a new Chris's movie every single day for a month, every single year, and it seems like you know, not many of them really stand out anymore. But back then, if you had a Chris's movie like Breakout. It was going to be a classic forever because I keep thinking like we had Christmas Story. Were you even born when that came out? I don't think you were. That was eighty. I wasn't born, but I mean my, that was one of my mom's favorite Christmas movies, so I watched it pretty much. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like five every year until I was probably seventeen, eighteen, and um, now with the new one out, I've actually me and my kids have watched the original one and watched the the newer one too. Yeah. But, I'm a- Big fan of those. That's another legacy sequel. But I was just thinking, like, we got so few of them. We got that. We got Scrooged. We got Christmas Vacation. Um, this. Jingle All the Way. And I, I, just, I feel like there was just an era where they would only come out, like, every few years. And it was so hard to get them right. Yeah, and then they're, they're not really, I mean, nowadays, anyway, I mean, you don't see a whole lot of Christmas movies in theaters, uh, which is odd because, like for for me when I was growing up, it's like Christmas Day. Like I, I, as a kid, I grew, I celebrated Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day you kind of don't do anything. So like, oh, let's go catch a movie or whatever the case may be. So um, it's surprising because there aren't really huge big box office movies. Like even more recently, I mean, I know they have that uh, that that new one out that looks pretty spoofy. Uh, um, this year, I forget the name of it, uh, but it's, it's like Santa Claus, like just killing everybody. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> a violent night, violent night, violent night. Yeah, that's what it is. I was gonna say silent night, but yeah, um, yeah. Like I mean, that, that, that's obviously, I mean, a, a spoof or a, a one of those kind of um, like a uh, really just a joke on on the premise of everything too, uh, as far as Santa Claus just kicking a whole bunch of uh, butt, but. But yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing with Christmas movies. You don't see a whole lot in theaters. So at, the, at that time, like you have all those that you listed and it was exciting. And it wasn't just a cheesy Christmas movie. It was actually entertaining. Yeah. Uh, you know, every one of those I can think of is uh, not just wholesome for the family, but they have their, their really cool, funny jokes in it. Uh, like comes all the way really quick. <laughs> you know, Sinbad's like, I mean, Sinbad's obviously one of the most amazing characters ever, but uh, threatening like a bomb with a package, like every every, every time because he's a mail carrier. It's yeah, yeah, it's uh, kind of, 
you see at the same time. Yeah, you see a lot of that where people lose their way. And you and I have both worked retail, and we see how people like forget what Christmas is about. It's like, dude, you don't need to fight over a TV. Please stop. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's it's uh, especially that movie, Jingle All the Way, and and some other movies. It's it's really. Uh, I mean, even the Christmas story, like the whole time, like his his goal is all oh, he wants a Red Rider BB gun. Um, it's so focused on on the, the materialistic things, but luckily, a lot of those movies also have kind of the bring bring everybody back down and, yeah. and uh, kind of remind people what it's about: family, well, love, and having each other. What I love about Santa Claus is um, that it skirts all of those cliches. It's not really about materialism. It's it's about reluctancy to accept. I guess responsibility um you know this new thing that scares him and it's not just the job it's also the fact that he really needs to focus on saving and yes they are divorced but you can still be civil and 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 work that out i think this is the first christmas movie i've ever really seen that dealt with divorce yeah and and his his struggle not just to be successful at what he does but um to have a relationship with his kids like the beginning of the movie you see um Obviously, with the son, I think the beginning of the movie is like Thanksgiving, and uh, like he doesn't know how to cook. Like, so end up having their Thanksgiving at a Denny's or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, understandable. Uh, but it, it really was uh, one of the first times I think, as when I was younger, that it's a Christmas wholesome family movie, and yet there is, you know, there's a split family. Yeah, and I also think it's interesting is that this is the first time they tried to. You know, like break down how is this possible? How could yes, the special effects do not hold up? Okay, kids, <laughs> I don't think they were actually expecting to believe it anyway. It's supposed to be cartoonish, but you know, how is it possible Santa could get into a house? You know, like I know Santa's not real, but if you're gonna create this mythos, uh, you know, uh, you have to have some sort of rules. Yeah, well, and, and even in the movie, like the, these these people, the majority of the people don't believe in Santa Claus, so really trying to get it down to the real world or how how this santa claus magic would work in, in the really real world or real, real world settings uh, i think one of the funniest things in the movie is you know like uh he's seeing a shrink and it's like oh like sc like oh yeah it's my name's scott kelvin and his son's like no it's for santa claus and he's like no it's like i mean he even doesn't even believe what he just went through yeah, it's a uh, it's a pretty. I think it gets better. Like I said, the sequels I think get more uh, elaborate into the mythos and the world that they're building. And uh, the one thing that does bother me though is after this, Tim Allen gets cast as the jerk in so many movies. Like the guy with the snarky comments who doesn't want to do anything. I feel like he was constantly repeating this character, which I wish they cast him differently because you know th- 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 those characteristics should be unique to you know, the, the, the one in Santa Claus, not in, every, was it the For Richer or Poor, uh, Jungle to Jungle, Galaxy Quest, it just seemed like so many movies where he was playing the same exact character. Well, and in that time, I think, like, the unfortunate thing with a lot of actors at that time, like, they, they were kind of that one-trick character pony, in a sense. Uh, I mean, you look at people, I know it's a little bit before this, but, like, you look like Pauly Shore, he was the same person in right. all of his movies. <laughs> uh, he didn't change, like, so he's cast as being kind of this know eccentric out, outgoing like weird guy and that's who he is in every single movie um you got obviously comedians um you know that, that kind of just have uh the skill set of just being the funny guy or the, the weird loser or, or whatever the case may be um but you know at the same time you do appreciate people like you know like 
Phil Hartman, who was able to do that and, and do so many other things. And he was never a main person, kind of a supporting actor in everything he did. But he can be in a comedy. He can be in something serious. He was he was really great at that. So. Yeah. It's funny because three days ago we recorded an episode about Polly Shore movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in line with that. But I think that it's, it's unfortunate because at that time, you know, the, the, these, these actors, they get stuck in that kind of, that kind of role. Yeah, I uh, I went to a Comic Con in Portland a few years ago where they had the uh, Goofy movie reunion where the cast came out, and every single question for Polly Shore wasn't even a question. It was them doing impersonations of the Weasel, and that was just a character he played. As if Paul Rubens would always be reminded of being Pee Wee Herman. I think it would get exhausting. Oh yeah, definitely, and, and even even with Paul Rubens, I mean, he's been it, it's such a big character Pee Wee's such a huge character uh, that you, you see him in something else and it, people don't even say his name they're like oh hey like there's Pee Wee Herman yeah um, our second film is Angels in the Outfield I didn't realize I'd never seen this movie before um, but I didn't realize that it was supernatural I like they, I mean, supernatural in the way that they got involved in the game I've thought for some reason it was more like spiritual like they would they were telling him what to do so I was kind of surprised it had the uh, uh, the formula that was repeated like in uh, Flubber and um, Blackbeard's Ghost and stuff like that where they, they actually themselves would get involved in the game, which kind of seems like cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely, I mean, growing up, me growing up as a kid, baseball, I played baseball. Baseball is one of, one of the things I love, the sports I love the most, so... Uh, you know, this movie, it, it definitely has a different twist on it. And obviously, it, it's its a little different than the happy-go-lucky, like, horrible team type of dynamic that you see in a lot of the sports movies because of the supernatural element with it. Um, and, it and it's funny because my, my dad, he's a uh, hes a youth, or at the time, you know, he was a youth pastor, you know, really into, into religion and, and being there with the church and things like that. So a movie like this was, like, right up right up the alley like, oh, okay. it was a movie that was uh, you know supported and like hey let's watch this movie uh, type of thing yeah it's kind of strange that I didn't see this because at the time I was baseball crazy um, until I got hit in the face with a line drive <laughs> um, but like I had seen Little Big League and the Major League movies and stuff like that and there is a formula that all those movies kind of steal where the team is a bunch of misfits it, it's basically the Bad News Bears uh, formula and this one does bounce uh, around that and uh, I, I, I love the cast. I can't believe. I look at the cover of the DVD, and there's Tony Danza's name on the yeah, top. Is that a... ever going to happen again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then, I mean, you've got, you've got a lot of, um, you know, a lot of really big special effects in that as well. That doesn't hold up the best. Yeah, uh, but 1994 rules are so different yeah, compared to now. We, exactly. I mean, we had just had Jurassic Park the year before. And that was $65 million. I can't imagine they would spend that kind of money on Angel. This is back before Disney had Disney money. The money that yeah. we know now. I mean, they were just coming out of like near bankruptcy a few years earlier. And so I actually like this era of Disney more. Not all of them were hits. But they were like, on our home runs, I always say, they weren't home runs to steal a, <laughs> a, a, a baseball tournament. But they were hitting a lot of doubles and triples or whatever. So every single movie we talk about here was successful, just not as big as the way people's expectations are now. Isn't it weird that if a Marvel movie comes out now and it doesn't make like $500 million, it's a flop? That's wild. Yeah, yeah it, well, and then like you have like some of these movies that were discussed, like they didn't have really big 
box office success either. Uh, but they've they've stand the test of time and they kind of hold up over time. You know, nowadays like with with Marvel, obviously their their movies are such huge huge budget movies and huge huge pushes, and you see all these really big box office numbers. Uh, and then they have these shows that come on Disney Plus that even like it, and and some of these shows you know, are rated better than these movies because you have so much more time to tell a story in, in five, six, seven episodes than you do a, a one, two, three-hour movie. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's it's very... A lot of these movies, what I like about them are, are a lot of the storytelling behind it and the, the values that it kind of instills. And it's a, it's a really big uh, portion of my childhood as far as entertainment and movie watching that you get to do. Yeah, and it's also... it's an, It deals with the reality of, you know... I feel like in the 80s they were trying to sell us the perfect family. Oh, they have a huge home. Everybody's very successful. They're all like this perfect nuclear family. And in the 90s, it felt like Disney was like, look, that's tone deaf. We need to deal with the reality of how kids really are living. And, you know, having them in an orphanage um, was a, a, a newer angle. I never saw the original Angels in the Outfield, so I don't know if it completely copies that plot or not. Yeah, I didn't see the original one either, but um, and that's the biggest thing. It's like you, you relate to these characters. You do have an emotional kind of feel sorry for these characters right at the bat because uh, I think in a lot of instances and in, in some of these instances as a kid, like, you know, immediately, oh, these these kids are orphans. Uh, you know, I have parents, so I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. Um, even, even at the time with, uh, with, like, Santa Claus, like, oh, you know, these – these parents are split up and you know one one father like the father's trying to do the best he can but obviously he's just failing at something so at least i'm lucky my dad does you know pretty well for me and i have a good relationship with him those types of things so you really get emotionally attached like immediately because you have that empathy for these characters uh, and, and you kind of look at your life and think you know what like i've got it pretty good because it could be like that yeah i th- i think this is when they i think the obsession with epic storytelling disney's kind of lost what made them so special now they're just another big studio well i think actually most of the movies now that i think about it all their movies have some sort of discussion about family uh either families that are broken up or a loss of a family member and uh or that the child is ignored because of other siblings, like in our next film, Blank Check. Um, I think that they kind of need to go back to having those discussions. Yeah, and, and I mean, if it's not a Marvel superhero movie, you know, it, it's it's a, an animated Pixar movie that uh, it, it, it gets really hard to sometimes uh, really interact with characters that are animated. Uh, obviously, anything that's animated, you think automatically, oh, this is gravitating to kids more than adults or, or it's, it's going to be gravitating towards a cartoony kind of an unreal world at times mm-hmm. uh, so I think that's the one thing I most is like kind of original storytelling live action types uh, because if it's not a Marvel movie then it's a it's a Pixar movie from Disney yeah the uh, I think I saw like a lot of the kids movies that I miss I think I think I saw this way too late for me to really get into it um, but I think if I when I was 17 I think is when this came out I think I would have liked it a lot more but as an adult I'm kind of like these guys aren't using fair rules by play they're cheating it's <laughs> like how are these good angels <laughs> so I mean my logic button kicked in and I, I think that held back some of the enjoyment 
But um, the next film, Blank Check, <laughs> apparently I decided to throw all logic out the window <laughs> because um, it, it's a wish fulfillment. I, it's like Brewster's Millions. I don't know if you've seen that one with uh, uh, John Candy and uh, uh, Richard Pryor. Um, but in that one, he has to spend a certain amount of money in 30 days. And if he spends all of that money and he can't keep anything, he can't like buy houses, he can have nothing at the end of the day. Uh, he gets like another bonus, like billion dollars. <laughs> no, I have to check that out. It has a lot of baseball in it too. I, I'll, I'll try to send you a copy. I have a digital version of it. Um, but Blank Check is, yes, on paper and how it was sold, I'm sure was a Home Alone clone. But I think it's better than a lot of those because of the fact that it sticks to trying to trying to tell you about children that are ignored by a parent that's too busy or too focused on his other kids. And also, it's just fun watching him spend that money like crazy. But then the reality is that he wasn't taking account of that money he was spending. Yeah, and, and it's, it's every kid's dream. Like, and the way that they do the, the character building in the beginning, like the family is kind of, you know, they're tight. Like, as far as financially, they're a tight family. Like, the dad's, like, really sitting there at the breakfast table, like, going through, uh, you know, some things. I think uh, one scene, he's he's given, like, five bucks to go and have a day at, like, a, an amusement park for a birthday party. Like, <laughs> what am I going to do with five bucks? You know, it, it's, it's you get that feeling like the family is cheap. You know, they're, they're, they're scraping by, you know, granted, but a lot of their financial, like, type of security isn't as, as, as well off as maybe some of the, the you know, kids' peers, um, which does leave the kid kind of feeling out uh, or outed or, or even, you know, that there's, there's throughout the movie, he's at the birthday party or at the amusement park, whatever he is, having a good time. He's kind of just like, uh, just there. Um, so having that fantasy, and again, in the world, real world problems where real world characters, because not everybody has a lot of money to go out and do these things. But then, you know, all of a sudden he has kind of cons his way into having all this money and like any any kid 11 12 year old he just goes crazy <laughs> buys up everything yeah i think it's so funny he bought that I, <laughs> the fact that no one ever really questions like look how old are you and why are you working for this man i've never met before i mean technically i don't think he's legally allowed to work <laughs> the dad's just like oh, okay we're good. Well, it's, it's one of those early 90s things where, uh, I mean, I, I grew, I'm 35 now, so early 90s is kind of where I grew up. Uh, you know, I, I was a lot younger than this this character here, but, you know, parents just, I mean, I can remember staying outside from after school till 6, 7 p.m., and my, my parents, my, my guardians didn't know what I was doing. I was out there with the neighborhood kids doing whatever, and then... You know, kind of come back and oh, this is what we were doing. There were no cell phones, there was technology to keep in touch in those instances. Or you know, you, you have the rules of okay, you can't go more than three blocks down. And I mean, I I, I went more than three blocks down. Nobody's gonna know. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know, mom, if you're hearing this, don't hear it. Just close your ears. But uh, I mean, that, that's the thing. You know, like like especially you know, it, it's funny because the parents weren't as as being your parents so much like they do now where there's constant communication you know, every kid almost every kid now which is crazy I think has some sort of cell phone or tablet in their pocket which you can communicate with but you know and, and, and parents you know back then 
they're busy working and doing everything that they need to. Sometimes, you know, kids get kind of overlooked. Um, so there, there's a lot of that freedom that you'll see. It, 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 I, I agree. It's funny. Like some kids working for some next door neighbor who lives in the castle and they've never met this next door neighbor. <laughs> they've never seen him, but this kid has a whole bunch of money and has a whole bunch of, uh, of opportunities. And the parents are like, well, hey, good for him. You know, he's, he's learning how to work. He's learning the value of the dollar, which you try to instill in him. What I don't think works in this movie so much is the Home Alone element with the three guys that are constantly after him. I I almost don't think that's even necessary because there is enough story of him pretending to be this guy and hiding it from everybody. I almost feel like that was unnecessary. But also, how else is he going to get the money, I guess? Yeah, uh, I think the storyline matched up well with how how this kid, like, came into the money, and, and, and that's te- that telling, obviously, these, these people want to get it back, but it, it did have that silliness that I think was, that you know, definitely unnecessary. I mean, Tone looks, obviously, yeah, a rapper more than anything, but um, him being kind of a, a goofy comedic character, and, you know, this, this kid's out running them in a bike and cars, and they're you know, doing these types of things, so that was a bit wacky in, in that sense. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't really... Um, looking and watching it now, I think it's very creepy. Uh, his his love interest in the movie, yeah. <laughs> some some FBI officer being that, yeah. But she's a really older lady, and he's obviously you know, any 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 adolescent's gonna have a crush on girls. But the way that she kind of willingly went on a date with him was kind of like a bit cringy. But <laughs> at the same time, it's it's a '90s movie, and. and you know, it's just kind of this, this weird world where I guess that's okay. Yeah, I really like the uh, the kid, Brian Bonsall. He was uh, the little kid on Family Ties the last couple seasons. And then he did a few movies, and then he just walked away. And he's now a musician. He's been a musician for like 20 years. So I guess he just, you know, decided acting wasn't for him. But I, what he did in this movie, I think, was uh, pretty good for a kid actor back then. Yeah, and... and, and The fourth film and our final one of this episode is maybe the greatest animated movie of all time, The Lion King. God, it's not my favorite. Like I still think Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is my favorite. Um, but uh, when when it comes to epic storytelling, unbelievable animation and voice work, this may be the greatest. Yeah, and I, I remember being younger. I think this was one of the very first movies I watched in at, at the our drive-in that I can remember watching at our drive-in here in, in uh, where I live. Uh, and just just watching something like that and 
obviously Jonathan Taylor Thomas is a huge part of the movie and it's like whoa like this this really big actor or this you know this this person that we know is going to be voicing a character that's animated which is you know obviously there's uh, Robin Williams and, and this is when I think the time when a few a few known actors started getting into voice acting it's kind of something that, that kept on going with Lion King yeah well I mean what we talked about on the last episode we did back in March I think it was March is they always had like one comedic actor. They always had someone like that in these movies. It would be like Dom DeLuise, John Candy, Cheech Marin, uh, Robin Williams. But this is the first time where, now I was older than you, so I knew most of the cast. You probably only knew Jonathan Taylor Thomas at the time, but like you had Matthew Broderick, James Earl Jones, you had Cheech again, you had Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Rowan Atkinson, Jeremy Irons. I mean, it's uh, Nathan Lane wasn't anybody at the time, but this helped make him a star for a while. This thing was yeah. stacked with like like big name actors for an animated movie. Now it's normal. It's completely normal to have a fully loaded cast. Yeah, and it, it's odd when there's somebody that you don't recognize on the nowadays. And uh, and I think the jump in animation is phenomenal because the budgets still were pretty tight, even on Aladdin. And you can see some blur in the animation as there's movements. And I don't know if it's more frames per second, they're adding more animation to it, or now that we had digital technology, was that being used to smooth out the movements? Because if you look, it's only a year and a half between this and Aladdin, and they look light years apart. Yeah, and I think with, with this animation, the way that, that they capture a lot of the, you know, I mean, Africa planes and those types of things, like it's, it's amazing to see something like that done so well, um, because it's a lot of, Obviously, Aladdin's a lot darker. There's a lot, there's a lot less scenic type of, of shots, and I think in Aladdin, like the biggest one is like the city. You see the scenic city, and it's like, oh, hey, cool. But a lot of these scenes in, in Lion King, there's just you know planes, um, you know the sun breaking over, uh, you know African setting, and and then even like the animals, like the the, the scene with the uh, uh, with the buffalo. something like that. A lot of it, you know, obviously is kind of at some point, but the way that it was done was, was done really well. And I think this movie was so massive that I think it hurt the expectations on the next like year, few years of movies because I still think like, I have never seen Pocahontas, but I think Hunchback is great, Hercules, Tarzan, all of these movies were expected to be as big as The Lion King. It's just, it's a unique situation with this one movie and I think it was unfair to treat all the rest of the movies as if they were going to be as it's like treating all the other Marvel movies as if they were going to be as big as Avengers it's just not the same thing yeah and and this movie obviously same kind of thing I mean the, the way that this movie and the success of it and the marketing even was, was so much different I mean there's a there's a video you know there was a video game for the Lion King <laughs> there aren't too many video games for the Hunchback and the or anything like that but the the, the marketing was a really big push for for the Lion King you had I can remember as a kid going to Burger King and getting like Lion King cups Lion King merchandise Uh, I remember my sisters having Lion King uh, Simba and Lala like little stuffed animals that had magnets in the noses so when they came close they just stuck to each other like they were kissing oh Uh, (laughs) and, and and it's 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 still, uh, and again like I, 
I didn't have one Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, you know, toy. I didn't have a Pocahontas toy. I didn't, I didn't have these these types or see these types of of, of toys or, or or things in in the real world. It was those movies are kind of set apart, but video games uh, obviously other movies as well uh it's, it's one of the, the classic movies that got redone uh, a few years ago by by disney and had again voice actors and kind of had that realism uh portion to it um, but it, it's it's definitely one of those those kind of genre breaking movies too because i think animation wise uh the story that it tells and and what what people the story of a coming of age type of thing and, and types of things that are in the movie and having courage and not letting down your family or a, right, or a yeah. pack or anything like that like those those movies in an animated movie like movie like are those themes in an animated movie especially as big as this one was was really really great to see and it's, it's it has a discussion about legacies too um which really wasn't tapped into with a lot of animated movies and family movies is like the expectations the pressure that's on you to be as good as your, you know, previous, you know, father or mother or whatever, and accepting that or denying or doing it your own way. And, and even even those those types of things, like death as a theme in a children's movie is very hard. Like you don't see that very often either. Uh, you don't. You don't. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's some off the top of my head, but you don't see too many instances where something like that happens. Like a death happens. Uh, of a prominent character or, or something like that and and uh it's just something that's not done very often and, and this this movie obviously was able to not only achieve that but really have a lot of character growth and and sometimes the way we run away from problems or even uh some kids that don't have fathers or or have had similar instances where their fathers have passed before they're kind of coming of age like it is a really good story of how somebody can still navigate the waters through something like that yeah and and the another unique thing that happened with this, I think this is the first time they ever brought in an outside musician. And they bring bringing Elton John in, and I think they did that later with like Phil Collins with Tarzan a few other times. But that that was another reason why it was so big is because they had songs now that were in the top forty. Yeah, yeah, and, and what a what an amazing song! <laughs> Again, a, a bit odd that it's in a children's movie. <laughs> yeah. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll be back again with the uh, movies of 1995. Andrew, thank you very much for this. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure uh, catching up and talking entertainment with you. All righty, everybody have a good one.